Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Coach Radio. That's audibletrial.com slash Life Coach Radio. And now, here's today's show. Welcome, Leapers. Uh, this is Errol McLinden, Mindset Coach and Project Coach out of Chicago, Illinois. This is my program, Leap. It appears every second and fourth Monday at 11 a.m. Central Time. And it is a show that is designed for anyone taking a leap, anyone who would like to take a leap, anyone who is in the middle of a leap and trying to survive the flight on the way down. Um, I appreciate you tuning in today. Today's episode is actually my first interview. I'm interviewing a client and friend of mine, uh, Danielle Berg O'Reilly, Danny, who has her first year under her belt of a... uh, Lavender Farm in Indiana. Uh, Over the next few episodes, uh, I will be inviting uh, people who are working on projects and have made it through several months of the project, up to one year of the project. Uh, I'm hoping to have a a person who is a sound audio and video person who is running their own business now. Uh, I'm hoping to have one of my clients who's working on a one-woman show. Um, My program will end the end of November due to some, uh, I've been hired by two universities for major projects. It's going to take a lot of time. And all of my shows are currently, or will be, most of them are already on YouTube uh, to be listened to. And of course, they're on the archives here on Blog Talk Radio. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, My story today with Danny is that we started a couple of years ago um, when she realized that she had time on her hand to pursue other things. She had her last child going into elementary school, giving her more time at home. And uh, we'll let her tell her story as we go through this, but she has is on a path for three years to uh, have a, a producing, a functioning, a profitable lavender farm. Uh, in Indiana. And her story is particularly interesting because this is a long-term leap. I know I talk to most people. What I do as a coach is I look for people who have a project that they would like to work on. And I generally will sign on with them for one year uh, in order to get that project underway. Oftentimes we hit that project uh, goal earlier and that's something I've been experiencing recently with a few of my clients of reaching a goal. In one of my radio shows in the past is, what do you do when you reach that goal early? How do you stop, drop, and roll? How do you start again? That was last week's program. Uh, in the case of a lavender farm, it's a three-year prospect uh, before it becomes a producing farm. So this is a particularly long-term project. Uh, that once someone signs onto a project this long, there has to be a broader vision and a broader um, uh, time frame involved, and, and that's what we're working with there. So uh, just to remind you, this is a call-in program, so if you have any questions for myself or for Danny or comments, uh, the call-in number is 646-716-9397. Hit the one when you get to the uh, menu or you just sit in the ethers and I never know you're there. If you are listening to this program after this, the scheduled time, 11 o'clock on Monday, uh, you can reach me by email at errol.mclinden at gmail.com with questions, comments. If you have any questions, comments, uh, information you would like from Danny, then also contact me through that email and I will pass that information along to her. <clears throat> so, Danny, you're on the line, right? I'm here. Yep. <laughs> you're here. Welcome. Thank you. All right. Um, so, let's start out with just the very beginnings of what inspired you to tackle this lavender farm project. 
Um, I have worked for my dad, who has owned his own business for 44 years, um, since I was 12. And I kind of felt like I needed to go off and do something on my own and started exploring different ideas. And this idea came up, and I started looking into it. And um, it sounded interesting, and it sounded challenging, and like something I could pull off and something I could involve my family and my kids in. And um, so, yeah, so that's how it started, I guess. Wonderful. Uh, What was your previous knowledge of lavender when you got into this? Um, I don't really have any previous knowledge. uh, Good answer. Um, I just enjoy using lavender essential oils. I'm very interested in essential oils um, and actually might look into doing more with aromatherapy. Um, So... It was something I used almost daily, and other than that, I didn't really know anything about it or anything about right. growing it. Wow, good. So you liked lavender, and uh, what were your resources that you had at that point in time in terms of that's a pretty huge project to start up with a an entire farm um, you're going into it with no knowledge whatsoever. How were you feeling at that point in time? Um, it was exciting. I mean, I I got online and I looked into, you know, if it would be profitable, if, if it was realistic for the area I'm in, um, things like that, and I found out it was, so I kind of ran with it. I contacted other farmers. Um, via email and had some great conversations over the phone with them. Um, but I've always kind of thought it would be a cool thing to be a farmer in some form. <laughs> so when this idea came up, I kind of just went with it. Do you have any background in farming at all? No, I don't. Um, since I've started the whole lavender farm thing, I did – uh, pursue the master gardener's course and completed that. Um, so that was great. And it was a great resource um, with, you know, the people that are involved in that. Uh, but no, I don't have any background in anything like that. Any background in your family of farmers? Um, from what I understand, yeah, there is, you know, down the line somewhere, um, not like, you know, not on a large scale. I remember my grandpa always had um, a very big vegetable garden, strawberries and potatoes and things like that that, yeah. you know, we enjoyed when we were kids. But um, And my, my dad, my parents had a vegetable garden and um, things like that, but nothing beyond that, no. Great, good. So uh, when you were looking at possibilities to um, – Fill time. Was that the the main thing that you wanted to do was to fill your – what was the motivation, I guess, is the question behind wanting to start anything. A lot of people, I'm sure, are uh, on the verge of starting things, but there's a lot that – it's a very comfortable thing to stay in one place. You have more time on your hands now as I – your final child went away to school. Um, I'm not saying it's a lazy thing, but I know a lot of people think that's a great thing, time time to just sit back, relax, have more time to clean the house, to watch TV, to whatever you want to do. There, it takes a great deal of motivation to suddenly crank into something that is actually going to take away from that newfound free time. What motivated you to want to do something besides do nothing well like I said my dad has been in business for himself my whole life um, and I've been involved in his business and you know some form basically my whole teenage and adult life Um, and what he's built amazing and I'm very proud of you know what he's done and but what what, what is his business he owns a pizzeria, um, a local pizzeria, and he's it's been open for 44 years, and we just um, 
actually won a countywide award um, last year, I guess last year, um, for our pizza. And he's created this amazing business, and he has amazing customers, and they enjoy coming in and seeing him, and I enjoy it. I mean, it's part of my life. It's been part of my life for as long as, for as long as I've been alive. So um, it's a great pizza. If you're in the where where is it? It's in Chesterton. It's in Chesterton. Yeah, Chesterton, Indiana. And um, the name of it? Do you want to tell the name Doolin of it? Doolin Pizza. Yeah, Doolin it's Pizza. Good. It is good. I know this goes all it's over the, the best US, in Porter County. <laughs> yeah, Porter, best in Porter County, uh, yeah. Chesterton, Indiana, uh, Doolin Pizza. Uh, if you're within 200 miles of it, make a make a detour. It's very good pizza. Um, so that's good. Thank so you. you had the you knew what it was like in your family to be an entrepreneur, to start your own business and grow your own business. So did right, that, and I've kind of I've kind of dabbled in that myself since I was a teenager with different things and jewelry making and things like that. Um, and I went to college when I lived in Ireland for massage, just trying to find something that I could do kind of to make my own hours and things like that. Um, good, good. And so what were, you mentioned jewelry and you mentioned the massage. At this point in time, what were other businesses that you considered doing other than the lavender farm? Um, well, I mean, yourself and I brainstormed lots of ideas. Um, the jewelry did, making, yeah. I, I enjoy, yeah, I, I enjoy making jewelry, and I actually think I might incorporate some of that into my lavender business. I've kind of experimented with that already. Um, and I'm interested in essential oils. Um, I'm not big into the whole sales thing, though. I've done a few of those kind of businesses, and it's not really my thing um, as far as kind of, selling somebody else's product. I like the idea of the lavender um, in that respect too, because it's my product and I've worked really hard <laughs> to, um, to take care of these plants. And so it, it has a different, you know, a different meaning behind it. But yeah, I, I, I thought about the essential oil thing too. And that's why I was saying, I think I might investigate you know, doing some kind of course in aromatherapy even um, in my off months from the farm, but that's a whole nother conversation. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, that's an excellent point because there is, uh, as you hit different levels in whatever business you're doing, there's a possibility for diversification, for finding things, joint ventures with other people or uh, elements that move uh, further along a different path, but still associated to whatever you're doing. Uh, I, I know I'm finding it. I have a, a client who is, uh, I've talked about who wanted to be a teacher, is now a uh, a teacher, uh, after school teacher, is on the substitute teaching list and is now looking at what she can do in terms of working for a museum with kids now that she has teaching credentials under her belt that she didn't have before, even though it's just a few months. So always keeping aware of what's going on around you, joint ventures, other people. One thing about having a project that I found with most of my clients is that when they um, reach a certain level of success, people start coming out of the woodwork wanting to see how their uh, information and their business can connect. I know with Danny, we, and it's been months ago, but I ran into a person who did cupcakes lavender cupcakes and in the course of conversation with her she was buying lavender from a pretty large facility and once she found out Danny was doing a lavender farm she took her information down even though there won't be lavender available for three years or somewhere like that she still was interested in making a connection with another independent entrepreneur um, share the wealth as it were within a small community rather than giving it to to large concerns. So that's the sort of thing that started early on, even before, I guess, Danny, you even had your land cleared. We didn't even know if this was going to be a, a, a farm or, or what it was going to be. Um, right. So by all means, keep keep aware at all times of where it can grow. The other thing that, um, that Danny mentioned was the, uh, and now I just went blank on it, uh, 
It'll come back to me. I was thinking about it at that point in time. So um, just a brief note, this is a call-in program. The phone number is 646-716-9397. Hit 1 when you get to that menu to come in. And if you have any questions or want any more information about anything we talk about today after the fact, uh, the uh, the uh, email address is my name, errol.maclinden at gmail.com. You can get the spelling from uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, there are about 20 different ways to misspell that. So, Danny, you got you considered these other businesses, um, and uh, you've, you've always had worked with this entrepreneurial spirit. Um, you've already had some background with the essential oils, and that brings that back to mind of what I was going to talk about is – Marketing and selling for most of my clients is the biggest roadblock. Uh, they they love what they do. They hate having to go out and sell it. But if you really love what you do and love what you produce and believe in it, it's more of sharing what you have with people. Uh, Nanny, in, already in your uh, sort of infancy of this, how have people been responding to you about the lavender and the potential of lavender? Um, people love it, and people are very interested in what I'm doing. They're very supportive. I have not really encountered anyone who has kind of looked at me like I was crazy. Um, <laughs> I mean, even in the courthouse when I was in doing some paperwork the other day, I was talking to the clerk about my farm and another woman standing next to me said, Oh my goodness, I would love to have a lavender farm. That sounds amazing. Um, so yeah, people are very supportive and very interested. And I mean, I've got a lot of people that have already asked me if they can buy lavender from me because they love it. And, you know, people want to come out and see the farm. I haven't, um, really invited everybody out yet, but I've, been working really hard to get it to a place where I wanted to invite people to come and experience it, but I've kind of kept people posted on Facebook like a, with my progress, and I get lots of amazing feedback. So, Why so do you think people great. are so, uh, so excited and inter- interested in it? Because I'm passionate about it, and I'm excited uh, about it, and yeah. um, I think that you know, that makes people feel good to read a post on Facebook about how excited I am that this plant is blooming and I didn't think it was mm-hmm. going to this year or, you know, just little things. I just think because I'm excited about it and I'm pursuing something I'm passionate about that people feed off of that. They do. People, people almost everyone somewhere, if you dig deeply enough, have a passion a dream, a desire, and this is something that once you start on your own personal journey, your own personal leap, uh, you will find a lot of support because people see, they live through you vicariously. They they follow their dream through you a lot of times. I won't say you won't have naysayers. I did a whole a show on it. You'll often have people, family members, friends, um, who are very questioning as to your sanity because the accepted way of succeeding in the U.S. in the Western uh, culture is to go and work for someone else and work up to a level where you're a manager, uh, an owner, or whatever that is. Uh, the Eastern culture tends to raise children with more of the idea of owning your own business or creating your own business. And so when someone lets people know that they are on this personal path, that they've made this leap, that they have fought the fear and gone forward, it's often a very um, – you get a lot of support. And part of the support is just out of people wanting to see you succeed, their friends, their family, things like that. But there's also a support in seeing the things they've always wanted to do or something that they've always wanted to do. And here's someone – who is brave enough to do it? Um, so, what are what have been your biggest challenges in this past year? So, we you started this at the beginning of 
last school year or soon after that? Is that correct? The beginning plannings of this? Um, I guess, yeah, last, last fall, I guess, mm-hmm. um, last summer. <laughs> Uh, I did the the road trip around Wisconsin and Michigan and visited some farms and went to a lavender festival, Um, met an amazing woman with a farm in Michigan who gave me a ton of information and spent hours with me um, walking around her farm with me and sitting and drinking tea with me and just sharing her knowledge with me. Um, So, yeah, I guess it it was around last summer that it all kind of started. Um, and was that a was that a, a a designed trip or did you put that together on your own? No, I put that together on my own. Um, I was in Wisconsin already on a family trip, and when our family trip was over, it was timed perfectly with a festival that was um, in Door County, Wisconsin. And so I went to that lavender festival. I met um, a very well-known lavender farmer from Washington state while I was there and got to listen to him speak. Um, And then I arranged with the other farms to come and meet them just via email, just doing research um, and talking to people. And um, yeah, so that's how it kind of came together. Great. So what, what, what have been your biggest challenges since that period of time? Um. And you don't have to get specific, but I mean, just yeah. in general, when were there, because we'll get a little further into this in a little bit, but just in broad terms, what, where were your uh, surprises? Where were your, uh, where were the moments where you realized you may not have had enough information or knowledge, uh, things of that sort? The the next thing I'll be asking you is, you know, uh <laughs> the points where it may have gotten to being overwhelming. So this first question is basically what were, uh, as you look back over, where were the times where you had to really put a little extra effort in because you were encountering uh, roadblocks or potholes that you didn't anticipate originally? Um. I'm trying to think like things that seemed like such a big deal then probably wouldn't seem like such a big deal to me now. Um, okay, good. That's a great point. Why? Because when you put it into perspective of where I'm at now, I, you know, at the time it felt like such a major thing, you know, even financially things like that, things that you worry about that you really don't have complete control over. And I mean, that that's been a big part of, this whole farm process for me is that I've really had to kind of let go of some of that because worrying about the weather and worrying about when my, you know, my land was going to dry out enough to get it cleared and things like that. Um, Things that were, you know, really heavy and weighing on me then now I'm kind of looking back and going, well, you know, when you put it into perspective and you see what's actually there now, it's pretty incredible. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, Go on. No, I was just going to say, you know, small things like worrying about where you're going to find the money for a new riding mower to kind of keep things under control or, you know, things like that. Um, I did, I've, I've had a lot of support. I've had a lot of support from my family. I've had a lot of support from friends. Um, and everybody has kind of, helped me through those moments where I felt like, oh my goodness, this is just way too much. And I don't know what I was thinking when I decided to take this on. Good, good. So how has your family helped you? Um, well, my family's completely supported everything I've done. I, yeah. I pretty much consumed my children's summer and my husband's <laughs> summer with my farm. Um they've been out there. I mean, my, my son is 15 and he had to learn how to use the mower to help maintain the rest of the property. Um, my husband has spent hours and hours helping me get my field laid out and helping me get everything prepped. Um, you know, everybody's pitched in in some way. I mean, even my seven year old has 
sat out in that field with me and helped me plant lavender plants. So <laughs> they've all contributed somehow. And um, my two girls, you know, sit out in the field with me and help me harvest. And nice. yeah, everybody's contributed somehow and they've contributed a lot and it wouldn't have come together <laughs> without anybody's help. I don't think I could have done any of it by myself. So how large is your farm in acreage? My property's five acres and I don't have an accurate measure of the field. It's not more than an acre. Um, okay. How many plants with, do you? Um, <laughs> well, that was one of my, my uh, stumbling blocks was, my of not having enough knowledge about my plants and losing quite a few plants when I ordered them and they were delivered. Um, so I don't know, like guesstimating, I think there's probably around, I can't even think 12 or 1400. Does that sound right? I've that told you sounds, this before. I, mean, I don't know if you remember. It, I don't remember, but it's more than 10. Just for the listeners, that yeah. means uh just to talk through um the processor Danny I can let you do this this means this field was in complete disrepair when Danny started it there were trees there were uh, it was un unleveled it was there were big holes of that held water there was an old electrical fence with i guess 4 by 4 post in the ground uh, this is where it started, and the first obstacle I know was clearing the land, which was a major undertaking, hiring someone uh, with a tractor, to, well, to get rid of some of the brush and stuff first, and then level the land, um, set out the plots, uh, set out the rows, put weed barrier, well, clear everything, put weed barrier down, and then for each of these 1,400 plants, it's a matter of taking a, a hot metal pipe, I, I think it's what you used, right, Danny? To yeah, I made a hole. tool with the, yeah, I took a piece of um, rebar and like one of those metal clamps metal and clamps a pipe fitting, and I kind of made a tool out of it that we would heat in the fire and then burn holes in the weed barrier. Right, so that's 1,400 holes and then putting in 1,400 plants. And Danny doesn't have a crew, she has her husband. And uh, three kids, and if it's like most uh, kids, it's uh, it's fun for them. I know for you put a vegetable garden out there for the kids, so that's been their project, right? Right. Yeah. They've gotten uh, a, it's a huge vegetable garden. Oh my goodness, it's it's uh, it's in the uh, I don't know how big that little area is, but it was nice to. In in putting this together, I think Danny thought ahead to what might attract the kids out there as well, but they've really count, uh, logged on to the lavender as well. They've taken a real interest in it. So that's, uh, that's definitely been a side note. So in the future, you more than likely will hit challenges. You have right. a pretty good perspective right now, it looks like, in terms of them looking small in the rearview mirror. But how will you approach challenges in the future? Will that change things, or will you tend to to uh, to fall back on what you regularly do? And either answer is great, because this is what everyone is going to encounter at some point in their leap. Um. I don't really know how to answer that question. <laughs> I know it's going to be challenging in the next couple of years because it's going to be very different because the plants are going to be much larger and it's going to be different challenges than it was this year. Um, but I'm excited about it and it's, it's all just part of the journey, right? So. It is. Yeah. Yeah. That's a wonderful perspective. And I think that's an honest answer. I don't think anyone can say I've I've learned this. My my history with my clients is they can go through challenges, they can succeed at them, they can look back at them and say, well, I was silly to 
be that worried about it because it's all worked out now. But it, it's normal and natural for the next challenge to come along for them to be really challenged and sometimes almost defeated by it because it's human nature. Um, one of the techniques I've used, and I do it on this radio show, I've done it a couple of times, is reverse assumptions, is that if you've succeeded before, you can succeed again. If you've overcome a challenge before, you can overcome it again. And uh, our tendency as human nature is to, to assume the other way. Uh, if we start to get work at something and there's a challenge, we fall back into thinking about times we haven't succeeded before, and that tends to defeat us. Uh, it doesn't always uh, work to do the reversed assumption, but it sounds like you're building up, uh, Danny, you personally and, and other people on the line who are uh, anticipating leaps or in the middle of leaps, every time you do hit a challenge and you overcome it and you look back on it and see it as a smaller thing than you anticipated, it gives you that material to use later when you hit that next challenge. You can look back at the point in time uh, when uh, you said you lost some plants, but you you overcame that and were able to move forward with that. Um, let me take just a moment to remind people of the phone number here, 646-716-9397. Hit the one to come in. Uh, if you're listening as an archived radio show or on my – and even on my – YouTube, months after this is over, uh, my show will end in November of 2016, but I will be archived here on Blog Talk Radio for, I don't know, eternity, um, and I will also have these radio shows on my YouTube channel, uh, Growing Well Together channel, uh, or you can probably just search it by my name. So this invitation stays open, at least for a few years, that if you do have any questions, comments, uh, or a desire to talk to me on a coaching level, anyone who is interested, I give two hours of free coaching to anyone. I'm not going to sell you my latest book because I don't have a book. I'm not going to try and sell you coaching. I just love hearing what people's projects are, where they are in their project. I had a lovely conversation uh the last couple of weeks with Joe, who's heard my story, my show, and took me up on it. Uh, Joe is pursuing a very unique and original path in New York. Amazing journey that he is going to start on. Uh, he's actually will be uh, a very soon be a working coach. He's he's an amazing man, but took advantage of sitting and talking to me for two hours. I love hearing people's stories, where they're going. Sometimes I can offer resources or your story or your leap may coincide or align with one of my clients, and I can put you in touch with them. That's really why I do it. So, uh, you know, a few years, 2017, 2018, if you're hearing these broadcasts, they're found in a, a musty vault somewhere after the apocalypse. Uh, try giving me a call. I would love to talk to you and hear your story. I love. This is why I do this. I love hearing about people's projects and leaps and how they, they fit together. So, Dan, we'll get back to you now that I've had my little moment of, of rambling for a second. Um, so were there moments during this, this year or year and a half that you've been working on this that you really hit a point of questioning whether you had done the right thing or if you were at the on the verge of giving it all up? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I've had several and, of those moments. What were some of those moments, if you feel comfortable sharing them? Um, definitely when I came out. No, I don't mind sharing them. Um, I thinkly remember coming out to my farm after my plants were delivered and thinking that I had done everything right with all these plugs, these little tiny plant plugs that I had bought from Washington. Um, and I was gone for a day and a half, and they dried out. And I had lost, I didn't lose as many as I thought I did. And they, a lot of them have come back, which is a great thing about lavender because it's very resilient. Um, <laughs> but I was brokenhearted and I thought, oh my gosh, how can I do this if I can't even get these plants in the ground before they die? Um, so that was difficult and upsetting. And I've had lots of moments where I've been out in that field and even around the same time because I planted every single one of those plants myself. My husband 
helped me prep a lot of the field. He helped me prep a lot of the holes. So I wanted to plant every single one of those plants myself. And oh. it it took a lot of time. I You know, I estimated it. It was around 26 hours of planting. <laughs> so 26 wow. hours of planting and being on your hands and knees and planting these plants. It was a lot of work. And there was definitely moments during that time where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I cannot plant one more plant. Um but now I go out there and I sit out there and I was out there the other night in the evening. Um, we stayed out real late and had a fire and I took a cup of tea out in the field and was sitting out there and it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what has come together. And so, yeah, there's been lots of moments and so I'm how sure did you I've get been in touch with moments? you during those, but I've well, yeah. friends, uh, I've talked to you. I've talked to other friends. I, you know, there's been times where I'm, you know, my husband's had to come out there when I was having a complete meltdown about something, probably the time with the plants and kind of had to just be there to say, you can do this. And yeah. I've been really fortunate because I have a lot of people telling me you can do this. And um, that's important. You know, I thank goodness for all of you telling me I could do it. So. It's it's good. I mean, one of the things I strongly recommend for people going on these leaps is to find your team, find the people that support you, that you can talk to at those periods in time. We I, I've mentioned this many times. Nothing goes from beginning to end without challenges, and there are these dark nights of the soul where every single person uh, that I have coached hits a point where they are ready to throw it all in. It, why am I doing this? This is stupid. It's never going to work. Um, my rule, as you know, is I allow my clients, like I have any control over them, but I do allow my clients to throw everything in, but only if they have somewhere else to go. And a lot of times that's that's a good way of self-checking if you don't have a team or you're, or you're on your own and you're ready to, to give up on a project is asking yourself, where am I going next? Cause it's, it's bad to just throw something away and, and, and not know where you're going next. That's it's not, it, it's, it's a, it's a helpless place of, of, to go to. And so I had a couple of clients who have changed direction but the change in direction happened at a point in time when they said, I'm done, I'm through, I can't do this anymore. And simply asking the question of, okay, where are you going next? Stop them from throwing everything away until they had somewhere to go. Uh, in this instance, uh, Danny, you've got an incredible team. I call it an anabolic team. It gives positive energy to you. You know who you can go to, what friends, definitely your your family. It's very, very supportive on this. Um and so that is wonderful to have that. Not everyone will have that, but I strongly recommend or strongly encourage anyone who doesn't have that to pull people in. One of my clients is a filmmaker who immediately formed what she called as a brain trust. And they're two of her dear, dear friends who are very uh, logical, very intellectual, and she also has that organizational side as well as the artistic side of being a filmmaker, but it gives her two more people. And she actually meets with them once a month, the first of every month to throw things out, ideas out, things like that. It's a wonderful idea to form a brain trust, a group. Uh, if you have family members who are supportive, then it's a wonderful place to, to have that on a regular basis to talk about where things are with your project, where things are going, worries, concerns you may have. So wonderful. It sounds like you've got that built in automatically with friends and family. What um, what does the farm represent to you right now? Um, I always call it my oasis. When I'm out there, it's like my place of peace. And it's it's a future for myself, and it's a future for my kids. Um, think you know something they can participate in with me, kind of like I've participated in my dad's business with him for my entire uh-huh. life. Um, and it's, I guess that's really it. Like it's just, 
it's a future for the, you know, my family and I, uh, something that I can build on and, you know, maybe not even necessarily on that, you know, piece of property. If I wanted to expand, if I, you know, find that, that I'm successful with it. And, um, but that's, you know, this is a kind of a long process. When you're successful and, with it. Right. Well, I'm successful right now, <laughs> but and when I, you, are. you know, I've, I've got a winter to get through to see how this all pans out. It's a real process. And um, I'm, you know, I'm just anxious almost now for spring to get here next year so I can see what happens next uh, with my yeah. plants and where I'm going to be at next summer. So. so have any of your kids shown an interest in becoming lavender farmers out of this process? Um, I don't know if they want to be lavender farmers. They're very proud of the farm. Uh, they talk to their friends about it, and they tell people about it. Um, my daughter's growing birdhouse gourds out in the garden because she wants to make birdhouses out of them and sell them. <laughs> my seven-year-old. Good. The um, next generation. But, yeah, but I think the kids are very proud of what I've what I've done out there, and I think they're proud of the contribution they've made, and that's really important. And I, I'm glad I can share that with them. Good. I mean, it makes a huge difference in, and I'll get letters, I'm sure, or emails. It makes a difference for a kid, a child to be able to go to school and say, my dad's an accountant, my dad's a doctor. And those are, or my mom is an accountant or my mom is a, uh, a, a CEO of a company and things like that. It's, it's great. Uh, but there's something that's a little different and quirky and very interesting to children to go to school and say, my mom has started a lavender farm. Or my mother has started, I, I have other clients, my mother has started a craft business with uh, tiles. My my mother has a, a DVD or a CD out about a one-woman show she's doing. Uh, my father has started a music ministry of his own. My mother has started a nonprofit uh, against violence. Uh, these are all people that I know. And so it is, it's something that is, different on career day when everyone stands up and tells what their parents do it really catches the attention because it is out of the ordinary it's not something everyone is doing um and it does i think it says everything that your seven-year-old wants to start doing birdhouse gourd business Uh, a lot of children don't see having a business of their own as a possibility so it's it's wonderful that that's uh, that's a side product of what this represents to you. So are you planning on, um, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but what what are your plans? I know you want to get through the winter and get this, see what, how these plants survive. Are you planning on, because uh, you say you've got five acres, you've got less than an acre planted. Is there a plan of expanding it to more plants? Or are you moving into products or what is your uh what's next for you on this um okay so i get through this winter and spring comes and i see which plants have done the best i've planted nine different varieties of lavender um some that i know are probably going to do really well some that i'm not sure about um they're all kind of zone appropriate for where i'm at but i wanted to experiment with lots of different kinds um and I've planted six varieties of culinary lavender, and then I've planted three varieties that are that are better for crafts and you know things like that, um, more for their scent than actually using them for a culinary product. So I want to plant more next spring, depending on what does well. And next year I'll have more of a harvest. It still won't be my my full harvest that I'll get on the third year. Um, but I'm hoping this winter, I've, I have had harvest this year, and it's all in my garage drying right now, hanging and drying. And I'm keeping all that this year because I want to experiment with different products and, you know, different ways I can, you know, market this to people and um, things like that. Because a lot of what I'm probably going to sell is going to be dried bunches of lavender. That's, you know, kind of what a lot of farmers do and a a lot of farmers make a, a great profit that way, but I want to experiment with some other things too. I want to 
have some products that I can put across to people and I want to investigate the culinary lavender a bit more. And I have to figure out how all that works. Um, first, I needed to get my plants in the ground and see if I could actually make that part work. And I've made that part work. So now I'm moving on to the next step. And I'm not kind of stressing myself out with the next step. I'm just kind of letting it naturally progress and see where I go Good. with it. So. Yeah, anyone who listens to my shows knows I'm not a big fan of, like, five-year goals. Just let it happen as it goes along. So just in terms of, of the types of product, um, what are some of the, the products, not necessarily that you're going to have, but what are some of the type of – I mean, lavender is everywhere. If you, I've become so aware of it now. But what are some of the products that lavender is in for culinary uh I know in skincare and things like that, what are some of those things that people may not even be aware of uh, lavender being the source of those products? Um, I think so. a lot of people are really familiar with it because it's all over farmers markets and things like that. And a lot of the farmers do sell, like I said, and dried, you know, sell their dried bunches, but they also make, you know, their, their lavender sugars and they make their, you know, their salts, their lavender, you know, they do lots of beauty products and things like that. And um, I've experimented even with lavender and making lavender gin for cocktails and things like that. So, um, and, you know, cookies and baking and all those sorts of things. But um, I won't be pursuing essential oil kind of production because that, requires a huge amount of plants but um yeah i i think people are pretty familiar with it because it's pretty mainstream you know um and the uh the i know somebody mentioned this i i mentioned in i'm in a show and i mentioned in my dressing room yesterday that uh about this lavender farm and the first one of the first questions interesting because people have this knowledge of it that i had to learn is any uh, desire to keep bees, is that in the future? Yeah, I definitely want to look into that. Once my plants are really producing and there's, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot bloom, of bloom on them, bloom I would like to, like to pursue that. I need that. to look into it more. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that you really could rent focused on the plants. Yeah, uh, I, I guess you can. I don't know that much about can. it. I know there's a – you can. Uh, yeah, that's all they. I haven't researched it either. They said, yeah, you you basically contract, and the beekeepers bring their bees out, and they pick them up at the end of the year. And uh, but you can also have your own bees. I have a friend who actually yeah keeps bees and just has this incredibly new hive that has a, sp- a spigot at the bottom of it, so you don't even have to pull the cones out to get the honey. The honey drains to the bottom, and you just keep putting jars underneath it. It's it's a pretty amazing process, but. Uh, yeah, this is another thing where, you, it, you know, you can keep moving in and around. I know in the past you've talked about you've got places on the land where you could put a, a store or a um, – uh, You at one point, I don't know if it's still on books, you talked about clearing some of the back acres and making a trail for kids to go through. There's just all kinds of possibilities out there. Um, are any of those still on the books? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've kind of changed my perspective on having the farm open to the public all the time. I don't think that time-wise I can entertain that idea like I thought maybe I could. Um, I work a lot at the pizzeria and, you know, and then with three kids, my time is very, (laughs) very consumed with other things. Um, But yeah, I mean, Phil, my husband and the kids have been cutting trails back in the woods already with the mower and yeah. um, So there's lots of things that I still want to investigate as far as that goes. And I still want to at some point be able to open the farm up to the public and say, come and see how amazing this is. Um, I just have to figure out how, what that's going to look like. And, you know, I know it's been interesting to go to other farms and talk to other lavender farmers and see how they do it. And I think I'm going to adopt some of those practices into my own farm. Um, right. But, but yeah, I, there's still lots of those ideas 
you know, in the back Good. of my head. A lot of but... different ways to go. Yeah, a lot of firms open up the farm and give people scissors and teach them how to cut the lavender appropriately, and uh, that's that's really what a lot of farms do, and that's kind of all they do, or they may offer some products. So that's that is a way to go, but that does have the issue of having to have someone out there all the time. And I'm sure in some instances, if you're not policing it, there's some a lot of damage to the plants if people cut incorrectly or step on them or things like that. So um, the choice to take other directions may be a wiser thing to do. Uh, let me take just one quick break here to talk about just the moment. Uh, to, if anyone has a final uh, desire to call in, the number is 646-716-9397. Hit one to get in. If you are listening after the show is down uh, on uh, digitally, then you can contact me, errol.maclinden at gmail.com. And if you have any questions about lavender farming or uh, anything that we've talked about today and would like information on uh, questions for Danny, just also send it to my email and I'll make sure that I get the questions answered for her. Um, so uh, at this point in time, Danny, I don't think there's anywhere people um, you're going to keep this year's crop roughly guessing, and this may be such a hard thing to do. How many plants did you get out of this season's harvest? Any thought, any idea, any guesses? How many or plants? bundles even? How many oh, bundles? bundles? I mean, yeah. Um, I probably have about, they all kind of vary in size because I've kind of tried to keep the different varieties together and some have produced more than others. Um, mm -hmm. fortunately all my plants have produced this year, which I was super excited about because some farmers, yeah, some farmers have told me it took two years to get, um, actual, you know, blooms off of certain varieties that I've had bloom this year, which was super exciting for me. Um, but I guess probably around 25, something like that. I've given some yeah. away to friends and family. Yeah. Um, but I probably have at least that much out in the garage. It might be more. And I know I'm going to be out there this weekend and I'm going to have to have to harvest again. I've got two varieties that are constantly producing more and more flowers. Um, and I've had wow. amazing amount off those little tiny plants. <laughs> so how long will that keep going? Does that go until it gets cold? I, I think so. That's all part of the learning process for me too. Um, I haven't been able to get out there in the last week, which is frustrating for me because I don't get as much time out there as I'd like right now, but I'm kind of super busy and getting pulled in lots of directions right now. And that's fine. The plants yeah. are fine and it's all good out there. Um, but yeah, I would assume that things are going to start to slow down soon. Um, they kind of have already, but I'm kind of, I'm, I'm also still amazed though how much I'm still getting production wise off the plants. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really, it's been a really good couple months just taking good. pictures and sitting out there and feeling really proud that I pulled it off. So you pulled it off. Uh, the name of the farm. I Does think the name, name, this is what I have registered. It's my business name is Danny Dunes Lavender Farm. It's D A N E E. Dunes, yep. D-U-N-E-S. Is that correct? Yep. But correct. Uh, we, we talked briefly. You don't uh, off uh, off the radio. You don't have a website or anything as of right now. Is that correct? I do not, and I've okay. kind of started to put together my business page on Facebook. Um, it's kind of sitting there waiting for me to finish it. Um, Really, everybody's just been following me through my personal Facebook, and I mean, you're welcome to share that with people if they get in touch with you, if they wanted to to check out what I'm doing. Um, okay, I will do but that. yeah, this winter, that's going to be a winter project. I'm going to have to get all that stuff in place, but I've really just been consumed with the plants out there, and when I'm out there, that's my focus, and even the kids' vegetable garden, I've kind of said to my husband and kids, that's your guys' project. I don't have time to even look at that right now. I have to focus on this. Good. So, yeah. So but this good. winter yeah. is going to allow me some time. Great. So if anyone is interested in keeping up with 
uh, Danny's progress and know exactly when you can buy lavender or lavender products, which looks like maybe a couple of years ahead, but who knows, maybe next year there might be a few ink dribbles and drabbles of things, but uh, send me an email and I will put you in touch with her Facebook page. And then as things develop with websites and things of that sort, uh, we'll, we'll get, keep everyone uh, informed of that. Uh, big question, Danny. Mm-hmm. Knowing what you know, would you do it again? Oh, absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. Okay. It's been super hard work, but it's been amazing to me what I'm capable of doing. And I think it's been so great for my kids. And you talk about kids being, you know, talking about what their parents do and being excited about it. Well, they're excited about it because they're taking part in it too. And they're excited yeah. about it because they see me passionate and excited about it. Um, but yeah, I would absolutely do it again. For Beautiful. sure. <laughs> any last thoughts or any uh, comments you'd like to make? We'll wrap this one up. If you have anything you'd like to say to anyone. Um, I don't know. I just thank you for being so supportive and being there and could not recommend to people enough to to talk to you or to find somebody mm-hmm. to kind of be there for them through this whole process. Um well, so, yeah, you're you're, thanks for, a, you're thanks an inspiration. For you're well. You're with, you're very welcome. You're an inspiration. You, I know when you're in the midst of just doing your thing, you don't realize that. But there are a lot of people who will listen to this, who are standing on the the edge, wanting to make the leap, or maybe at that point where they're struggling and ready to give up. And and the the message that you you convey here is that uh, it was a lot of work. It wasn't always easy. Uh, you had a wonderful support team with your family and friends, and and you've made it to this first level, and are and to and excited about going forward. And that's a tremendous message in terms of uh, how other people will hear it and and speak to what they're doing in their lives. So thanks for coming on. Uh, just a quick wrap up, guys. Everybody who's listening, all my leapers, potential leapers, um, please, please, please uh, take this message to heart. Uh, it's scary to start. It's not always easy to continue, but the payoff is worth it. And you can sit on that edge of the cliff for a long, long time. Some people do it all of their lives. I have yet to talk to anyone who has decided to take that step off the cliff who regrets it. Uh, It always has resulted in a move forward. The direction may change halfway through, but it always moves you forward and gets you to a better place. I am available for two hours of free coaching to anyone who is in that spot, would love to explore that with me, has questions about how feasible your ideas are, how to proceed, what the next steps are, or even if you're in the middle of the leap and have hit that roadblock or stumbling block and want to talk through how to uh, do that. I'm even offering... um, the ability to come on my show if you are interested and go through an hour of coaching on my show talking about your project. Uh, at least for the next uh, three episodes, I have a, have slots open. I haven't scheduled slots yet for the next three episodes, and I do want to fill it with people to talk to. Uh, again, you can email me at errol.mclinden at, gmail. errol.mclinden at gmail.com. And if you want to get in touch with Danielle, uh, Danny, about her farm or the progress of it or give her moral support or send her a lot of money so she can clear the rest of the acreage, uh, she I'm sure she wouldn't turn that down or buy a nice tractor or truck, um, by all means, send me a note at errol.mclinden at gmail.com, and I will put you in touch with, with Danny right away. Uh, stay tuned on this network. The next show coming up is tomorrow at noon. Uh, and that is leadership. Uh, oh, my, I can't read my. Uh, oh, uh, time, leadership, time leaps. I'm sorry, I cannot read my notes. Um, beliefs about time. And I did read the, the description of this. It's very good. It's, it's limitations uh, that you feel as a leader and I think it, it also applies to entrepreneurs uh, because of the limit amount of time. And she's going to go into how to manage time, how to work with time, 
and how to overcome beliefs about time that may limit you. And, and that's really important because my whole thing is mindset coaching. Change your perspective and change your life. Uh, this is going to be a wonderful show about changing your beliefs about time and in changing those beliefs, learning more of how to control time and how it is effective uh, uh, in a leadership role or definitely if you're an entrepreneur, you're your own leader and you have to, you have to manage yourself every day. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. My next show will be in two weeks. Same time, 11 o'clock Central Time. I'm open for uh, for discussions by email prior to that if anyone has any questions. Danny, thank you again for sharing your story with us. It was uh, inspirational and educational, and best of luck on the farm. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys, I will see you in two weeks. Have a lovely Columbus Day. <laughs>